Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. My name is Heather Lanz, and I'm part of the leadership team here at Encounter. And normally my husband, Jared, would be up here today, but I get the opportunity to share my heart with you guys this morning. He's actually out of town visiting his dad for his dad's 60th birthday, and one of his dad's birthday wishes was that Jared would come and preach at his church. So we kind of exchanged roles this morning. Um, But I'm so excited to be here with you today. Today we are starting our second and final part of our Heroes series. And we all need heroes in our lives. We need people that we can learn from, people that can encourage us, and uh, kind of people that we can thrive to be like. And we can learn about that in the Bible. The Bible is filled with men and women who were chosen by God to do miraculous things, and they were just average, everyday people. Last week we learned about David and how David was just a a puny, scrawny little shepherd boy who was kind of overlooked when uh, the prophet Samuel came and looked at all of his older brothers to decide who was going to be the next king, and David was overlooked because he was just a scrawny little guy. But God had bigger plans for David, and David ended up becoming the king. And so today, I'm going to focus a little bit more on girl power, because I'm a girl, and that's what we're going to do. So we're going to focus on one of my favorite characters in the Bible. We're going to focus on Esther. And just to tell you a little bit about how much I love Esther. When I was a kid, I was probably about nine or ten years old, and I was in a kids' church similar to what our kids have here at EC Kids, and we learned the story of Esther, and I instantly fell in love. I loved Esther so much that I even dressed up like her one year for Halloween, and most of the kids probably looked at me like I was just a queen, but I knew who I was. I was Queen Esther, and so that meant a lot to me. So we're going to go into a little bit about why why we want to uh, see Esther as a hero. And one of the reasons I loved Esther, a couple reasons, were because she was beautiful. She was known for her beauty. She was known for um, just getting everyone's attention that she was around. She was um, very likable, and I loved that about her. She was strong, and she was brave. I also love something, a little fun fact for you. I love that she was pampered for an entire year. And part of the tradition, when these women were chosen to go into the kingdom... Because they lived out in kind of the desert area and they couldn't, uh, they weren't as presentable. So they would go through an entire 12 month process of being completely pampered. I'm talking baths and oils and ointments and perfumes and getting their hair done, everything. And as a nine, 10 year old girl, I'm thinking, I want to be pampered like that. Why wouldn't I be? As a 34 year old woman, I would take a year of pampering. So I loved that. But I also love that Esther, when it came down to it, she stood up for what she believed in. So we're going to go a little bit more into the story of Esther. So we're going to start off with who is she? Who is this Esther? A couple of fun facts about Esther. Esther is one of the only two women in the Bible that have entire books of the Bible named after them and, uh, and are about them. Only two women in the Bible. So that tells you she was a big deal. Esther was an orphan who was raised by her cousin Mordecai. Her parents had died, and her cousin Mordecai took over and raised her. So Mordecai was more of like an uncle or a father figure for Esther. Esther was also a Jew. At this time, the Jewish people had been taken into captivity and made to go into the Persian Empire. 
and um, their religion was completely um, not allowed to be talked about or to known because they were living in a, in a pagan area. And so Esther was told by her cousin Mordecai to keep her religion a secret. She was not supposed to talk about it. She was not supposed to talk about her religion. So Mordecai told her she needed to keep it kind of on the down low. At this time, King Xerxes was the reigning king. And let me give you a little background story on King Xerxes because we're going to learn about him a little bit too. King Xerxes was the reigning king. He'd been king for a couple years now. And at the time, King Xerxes was married to Queen Vashti. Well, Vashti decided to be a little rebellious and disobey the king. And the king didn't like that. Xerxes did not like that at all. So he told Vashti that she was going to lose her crown and kicked her out of the kingdom. And so the king, being how kings are, they want to be surrounded by women and by his queen. He needed a new queen. And so his leadership said, okay, well, we need to search for a new queen for you. So he appointed Haggai to go out and find new women to bring into the kingdom. And so Haggai's job was to go out into the surrounding villages and surrounding areas to find women to bring to the kingdom to kind of apply to be the new queen. So basically, it was like Persian Empire bachelor. But instead of getting a rose, they were competing to get a crown on their head. And so we have Haggai, who is going out into all of the surrounding villages, and he comes across Esther. And Esther instantly has favor with Haggai. She has favor with everyone she comes in contact with. She's just an extremely likable and lovable person. And so he brings her into the kingdom along with the rest of the harem, and they begin this year-long process of getting prepared to even be introduced to the king. And so we find out through this whole process that Esther is extremely favored, not just by Haggai, but even the other women in the harem and all around the kingdom. And Haggai loves her so much that he kind of gives her the ins and outs of how to get before the king, what to wear, how to talk, what she needs to do, where she needs to be. And so we're going to pick up here in the Bible and go directly to the story. So I encourage you, if you have your Bibles with you today or a tablet or a smartphone, go ahead and pull that out. And we're going to start with the book of Esther, chapter 2, verses 16 through 20. It's also up here on the screen for you. Esther was taken to King Xerxes at the royal palace in early winter of the seventh year of his reign. And the king loved Esther more than any of the other young women. He was so delighted with her that he set the royal crown on her head and declared her queen instead of Vashti. To celebrate the occasion, he gave a great banquet in Esther's honor for all his nobles and officials, declaring a public holiday for the provinces and giving generous gifts to everyone. Even after all the young women had been transferred to the second harem and Mordecai had become a palace official, Esther continued to keep her family background and nationality a secret. She was still following Mordecai's direction, just as she did when she lived in his home. So we're going to move forward just a little bit. Esther is now queen. She has become queen. She found favor among all those around her, and she is now the queen. Now, King Xerxes has appointed a gentleman by the name of Haman to be over the townspeople. So his job is to go out into the surrounding towns around the kingdom and just kind of monitor what's happening among the people and make sure that things are in line. Well, Haman was kind of a cocky individual. He was not a very nice man. He took his political role kind of to the, to the top level and let it get to his head. So one day, Haman is walking around in the village and he instructs the soldiers with him to have everyone bow down to him. Now, this is a pagan area, so it wasn't uncommon for them to see themselves as their own gods. And so he instructs everyone around to bow down to him. Well, Mordecai's there, and Mordecai believes in God and knows that he cannot bow down to any other god. 
And so when Haman instructs everyone to bow down, Mordecai says, no, I'm not going to do it. And this infuriates Haman. So what Haman does is he goes back to the king and he tells Xerxes, look, we've got a problem here. There's a group of individuals that are going to rebel against the kingdom. There's a group of people that are going to fight and they're not going to to honor you and to worship you like you deserve to be worshiped. And we need to do something about these people, meaning the Jewish people. And so King Xerxes says, all right, Haman, you know what's best. We're going to put this decree, decree in place. And so he signs out a law saying that at a certain date in the future, these people that will not bow down, these people that are causing a problem, the Jewish people will be killed. And he puts his seal of approval on it. So it is set into place. Now, Mordecai is an official in the kingdom, and so he hears this news, and he knows that he needs to let Esther know what's going on because Esther's also Jewish. And there has been a uh, letter put out there that all these Jewish people are going to be killed. And so we are left with Mordecai trying to get in touch with Esther. So now we're going to go into the part of what makes Esther a hero. Why is she a hero? We've learned kind of the backstory of what made Esther who she is. It's a pretty exciting story, isn't it? I know you guys are on the edge of your seats ready to hear what's going to happen. Exactly. So most of the heroes that we hear about in the Bible, or most of the heroes that we think about in general, when we think about a hero, we think of like Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, superhuman strength, superhuman powers. But real heroes, the heroes that we need, are people that we can look up to, people that we can learn from, people that we can grow from. And a lot of heroes in the Bible, like we learned from David, who was just a scrawny little shepherd boy, was someone who was very unlikely to become the next king of Israel. But he was. And thus, Esther was just a lady in a village who just happened to be extraordinarily beautiful, who was chosen to be the new queen but she was a very unlikely candidate to be a hero. We wouldn't think of just a village girl to become a hero in the Bible, but she was. And when it came down to it, she was scared. She wasn't sure what she was going to do because she felt like she didn't serve that purpose. How could she be a hero when she was just here in the kingdom? How could she fulfill that role? But God had a different plan. God knew what was going to happen to Esther, and God knew that Esther had the ability in her to change the world around her. So now we're going to pick up at Esther 4, 10 through 14. And right now we have Mordecai, who, because Vashti is the, or, I'm sorry, because Esther is the queen, he can't really talk directly to her. So he is using um, one of the men to, to send letters back and forth. So they're sending messages back and forth, and Mordecai is saying, all right, we, we need to do something about that. So that's where we're going to pick up is the conversation between Esther and Mordecai. Esther 4, 10 through 14. Then Esther told Haddock to go back and relay this message to Mordecai. All the king's officials and even the people in the provinces know that anyone who appears before the king in his inner court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out his golden scepter. And the king has not called on me to come to him for 30 days. So Haddock gave Esther's message to Mordecai. This is the part I love the most. Mordecai sent the reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in this palace, you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. Wow. Now Mordecai just kind of laid it into her, and he let her know what was up. He wasn't going to let her get away with this. Look, you are in a position... And God has put you there for a reason. I know you're scared, and I know you don't know what's going on. And look, you can choose not to fulfill this role 
and to use your power for something good, but here's what's going to happen. You're going to die. Your friends, your family are going to die. And sure, down the road, God will send someone else to come in and save the Jewish people around the world. But maybe, just maybe, God made you queen. Maybe God puts you in this role specifically because this is your time. This is your moment to shine. This is your opportunity to make a difference. That's pretty incredible. She needed that nudge from Mordecai to put her in her place, to put a reality in her head that you are here for a reason. You are here for a purpose. And so Esther then realized what she needed to do. Now, in this time, the queen could not just go to the king. Like, if I want to go and talk to Jared about something, I would go upstairs or downstairs and just be like, hey, babe, I want to talk to you about something. Esther couldn't do that. She couldn't just go up to the king and talk to him. She had to be called on by the king. So here we have Esther, who knows that she has something she's got to do. She's got to talk to the king, and she's got to save her own life, and she's got to save the lives of the people around her. And so she's got to find a way to get into the king's presence. But he hasn't even seen her for 30 days. So how is she going to do that? I kind of picture, as, as I'm reading through this, through the story of Esther, I'm thinking, okay, well, she knows the king's in his court, and so she's going to get all fancy, get all ready in her royal uh, gear, and she's going to find a way to get to him. So the king's sitting in his court, and I imagine Esther's just kind of like, all right, I'm going to get ready, and probably just kind of walking by, peeking in, hoping that she gets seen, passing by again, looking and seeing, and then the king sees her, and Xerxes welcomes her and holds out his golden staff to welcome her in. And that's where we're going to pick up here at Esther 7, 2 through 3. On this second occasion, while they were drinking wine, the king again said to Esther, tell me what you want, Queen Esther. What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it is half the kingdom. Queen Esther replied, if I have found favor with the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my request, I ask that my life and the lives of my people will be spared. So here we have a very rare circumstance where the king sees the queen and just calls her in. That normally doesn't happen. You could be punished. She could be like Queen Vashti and been banished. But because she had such favor with the king, he said, come in. What, what do you want? I'll give you anything. You want half my kingdom? Take it. You want half my money? Take it. You can have anything you want because I love you and you have all my favor. And so she said, she took the chance and said, save my people. Save my life. And King Xerxes listened. Now the problem was, and I encourage you to read through the entire story of Esther. It's only 10 chapters long. It's not super long. But I encourage you to read through it because there's some more details that we're not going to get into today. But what happens is, is there was already a law, a decree put in place. And you can't just throw it out the door. So there was already a set date that these Jewish people were going to die. And so King Xerxes, along with some of his other political members, they went about finding a kind of a walk around. And so what happened is they put another decree in place that kind of counteracted the one. So they have two decrees in place. But what happened was, is that because of this new law, this new decree, they were able to save the Jewish people. And there was a battle, and, and I encourage you to read through it because it's, it's a pretty epic thing that happens there. But what happens is the Jewish people are set free because Esther stood up and did what she needed to do. She put her fear aside. She put her insecurities aside, and she said, all right, I'm going to do this. God's put me here for a reason. For such a time as this, I'm going to take hold, and I'm going to do what I need to do. 
And she had that favor. She had God's favor. She had King Xerxes' favor. She had the favor of all those that were around her to make this happen. And thus becoming a hero in my eyes because she stood up for what she believed in. She stood up for, the, for her friends, for her family, for those around her. So now, what can we learn from Esther? What can we learn from this story of Esther? How, how can we move forward and take this story from thousands of years ago and apply it to our own lives? And that brings us right to our big idea of today. And I encourage you, inside your programs, you'll have a notes page. I encourage you to fill in the blanks. It's fun. It's something to do while I'm talking. And it's something that you can take home and kind of reflect on this later on. It's inside your program. And you have pens under your chair as well. So our big idea is to seize your moment. Seize your moment. If you knew that you had a moment in your future that would change history forever, in a positive way. A moment that God had lined up specifically for you to be a part of. A moment that he created you for. Wouldn't you want to do something about it? If you knew that God put you in a specific place at a specific time to change the world, wouldn't you want to do something about it? You would want to learn. You would want to grow. You would want to move forward in that. You would want to learn how, how you can advance in that. You don't just, if I know, all right, Heather, you have an opportunity to, to save thousands of people. I'm not going to be like, all right, well, that's, that's nice. Okay, peace out. No, I'm going to want to know how I can do this. How can I learn? How can I grow? What can I do to be that person that God has called me to be to change those lives? And the lessons that we can learn from Esther about how she sees her moment and how we can do the same in our own daily lives, I have it in three steps here. Number one, Know that God may put you on the inside to make a change. Know that God may put you on the inside to make a change. God gave Esther favor with everyone she was around. She gave, he gave her favor so that she would be chosen to be the queen. Chosen to save his people. So maybe God puts you on the inside at work. Maybe with your friends, with your family at school. Maybe he allows you to be on the inside of a situation to make a change. I don't believe in circumstances. I don't believe, I don't believe in chance. I believe that God has a purpose. I have seen him work so many times in my life that I know that when God puts you somewhere, there's a reason for it. So maybe you're in that job situation that may seem a little frustrating, or maybe you're in your school, or maybe you're around friends or family because God wants you to make a change in that situation. So maybe you're on the inside to make a change, and maybe it seems a little impossible, but God has a plan. So know that maybe you are on the inside to make a change. Number two, choose your influences wisely. This is super important. Choose your influences wisely. Esther had Haggai, who was head over the harem, but as soon as he saw Esther, he had favor. And so he told her the ins and outs of the kingdom, where she needed to be, where she needed to go, how she needed to get there, what she needed to dress like. She had him. But she also had Mordecai. She had Mordecai, who was kind of there to give her the spiritual punch in the face of, okay, you need to step up. You need to move a little bit forward. You need to stop, you know, stalling, and we need to make a change. We need to make a difference. So she had those people. So I encourage you, find 
influences in your life that are going to encourage you. A great place is that, for that is our life groups. Our life groups are a great place for you to surround yourself with groups of people that are going to love you, that are going to encourage you, that are going to strengthen you and be there for you in times of good and in times of bad. I encourage you to find a solid group of friends. I saw on Facebook today one of my friends is doing the 30 days of thankfulness uh, for November, and the other day she said, I'm thankful for my small, knit group of friends that encourage me every day. Make sure that you have a group of friends that are going to encourage you, that are going to strengthen you, not pull you down, not discourage you. If you have friends that are, that are speaking negativity in your life, if you have friends that are, that are tearing you down and not encouraging you and not pushing you forward in those times where you're struggling or those times where you're kind of in this desert land, then they're not the friends you need to have in your life. And know that you also have your church leadership here. Myself, Jared, Aaron, Mary, all the rest of them, we are here for you. If you need us to encourage you, if you need us to listen, we're here for you. It is important to choose your influences wisely because they are the ones who are going to push you when you're stalling. They're the ones that are going to hold you when you're broken. They're the ones that are going to just be there for you day to day. So make sure that you are choosing those influences wisely because that's how you're going to move forward, and that's your support system. And finally, the third one is realize that you can change the world. David was a shepherd boy. He was just out there tending his flock of sheep, making sure that the wolves didn't eat the sheep. He wasn't anything special. He was the youngest brother. He was a puny little boy. But God saw something bigger. Esther was just a girl in the village who won favor and became the queen Know that you can change the world. You may not become a king or a queen, but you have a purpose. You can change the world. I am telling you this, each and every one of you. Don't think that there is an exception to the rule. Each and every one of you can change the world. You have the ability to change what's around you, and you don't have to be a king or a queen. Maybe you're a doctor or you serve in the, in the health field. You're there to encourage people in a desperate time when they're sick or when they're depressed, when they're going through something and they can't see what's beyond them, you can be that encouragement. Maybe you're a teacher or you, you instruct people. You can use that opportunity to encourage people around you. And, and if you're a teacher of students, you can use this opportunity to be the light in these kids' lives, to educate them and teach them going forward. If you're a student... You can use this opportunity to encourage those around you in a time where the world is just bombarded with bullies and insecurities. In your workplace, be that positive person that sheds light. Don't be afraid to share the love of Jesus with those around you. Know that you can change the world. You don't have to be a king. You don't have to be a queen. You can be who you are right now and make a difference and change the world to be a better place. So my challenge for you going forward, and I encourage you to write this out, stop waiting for your moment to arrive and know that you can live that legacy right now. Stop waiting for your moment to arrive and know that you can live that legacy right now. Esther 4.14, for such a time as this, don't wait for the future. Don't wait for that next moment to come. Take hold of what's happening right now in your life. Take hold of the moment that you are standing in right now. Know that you have a purpose and that you have a plan right where you are. If you're a mom, 
stay-at-home mom. Your purpose is to, to love on your children. Whatever your job is, you have a purpose. And take hold of that. Don't wait for that legacy. A legacy does not have to be that of royalty or of politicians. A legacy is the life that you live. When you look back, you can see the change and the difference that you made. So step into that and know that you serve a purpose and that you can be part of that life change now. You don't have to wait for that next big moment. You can take hold of it right now. Esther was afraid. She was afraid to step forward into the king's presence and to ask to save his people, but she did it, and the Jews were saved. Don't be afraid to speak out to your friends. Don't be afraid to be that light in the darkness around you. Let people know about the love of Jesus that has changed your life. Be that positive influence. I'm not saying you have to go out there and and preach to everyone you come in contact with, but what a positive word, an encouraging word, a hug, a handshake can do is immeasurable. When you're having a bad day and someone comes up and just loves on you, it, it changes your outlook. So be that. Be that change. Be that simple change. I have a pair of Toms that I got a couple years ago um, for a present that say, be the change you wish to be in the world. Be it. Don't keep wishing for it. Just be it. Serve that legacy now. That legacy is yours. It's not your neighbor's. It's not the person that comes down the road to take your place. It's yours. So take hold of it and know that you can live that moment now. Seize that moment. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.